We are going to be talking about um, women in ministry. A good theology has to work in everyday life. It's good to be king. I've said that before. Like, it's if we're going to be in one of the two spots, yeah. you know, to be the one that that seems to be in control of it all is seemingly the more de- desirous position. I feel like I should throw the flag on that deal. There is differences of opinion academically. Mm-hmm. There are Correct. very strong. Um, scholarly academics on both sides of this conversation. You've got to get to a really important point, which is... Welcome to the table. Today, we are going to be talking about um, women in ministry. Women in in ministry. In pastoral ministry, specifically. Yeah, this has been uh, one of those topics i think for us um <clears throat> that we have been on a journey for probably uh, quite a few years mm-hmm. um and just sort of really digging into what what we really see the bible saying um about the roles of men and women in ministry and yes what does that look like and so mm-hmm. uh, really super excited to to be able to, to talk about this yes um and i think the reason for me especially i i think one could assume that it would be well it's obvious why as a woman it's you know exciting for you to talk about perhaps. Um, but I think for myself in this, this conversation, uh, it is, um, what, what I, what my own experience over the last couple of years has been this, what I really began to understand about myself. And I think many others in this area of, of women in ministry and leadership of the church, um, I would have been what I would consider like, you know, and I, I really hesitate to use like, like these, um, Labels. Labels of complementarian and egalitarianism or, you know, because I think that's so part of the problem in all of this is that right. we, we want to label everything and be like, I'm this, I'm not that. Mm-hmm. I think there's all kinds of room on the scale. Right. Um, so I would have been what I would have called like um, a soft complementarian, like, you know, women. Yeah, absolutely. And then there's like some of these troublesome verses in in Paul, you know, in Paul's writing that I go, well, I just don't know mm-hmm. about that. And mm-hmm. and I never really took the time to study it. And mm-hmm. I think that's where this really began to shift for for me, at least. Mm-hmm. You were probably ahead of me in the game in that regard. Actually, um, I would disagree that okay. I was ahead of the game. Okay, I think I was actually much further behind simply because um, I I was raised. Yeah. Um, in a denomination that fundamentalism that yes sort of thing. that that very clearly stands yeah. against women yeah. being in ministry right and so not having studied right. that um obviously it was not popular to study yeah raise your hand uh pastor have a question yeah um i mean our experience is this we even went to a christian high school Mm -hmm. um yes we've been together that long and so um we went to a christian high school that you were um by far the most popular person in your class i would say uh certainly the most attractive but um I, I feel like I need to say my graduating <laughs> class had 25 people in yeah. it, so it was not. But you were number one. Of, you were number one with the bullet, and out of 25. But I say this because I think there's truth to this because you were one who could have easily been elected into the role of class president, which in that school kind of had a big deal. You're, I guess you're supposed to do the reunion. I don't know, but um, right. And and you were not allowed to. Uh, yes. So in junior high. Yeah. I actually 
um, wanted to run for my class president, and I was informed that that was not allowed. Yeah. A a female could not run for class president. You could be the secretary. I could be the secretary. <laughs> right. Yes. Maybe even the vice president. Could you be the vice president? Um I don't believe even right. vice president. I think I I was allowed to run for secretary or yeah. treasurer. Right. And so the reality is from the earliest stages um you know there's this messaging even to our daughters um about what roles they can and cannot play within the church or within, or within religious, I, I, I hesitate to say religious, but it is religious environments. Correct. And so, and I can see that. And I think the truth is for both of us, we're both products of, of, of a, of a system that just took it as it was and said, this is how it is. Yes. Nobody ever really went beyond just like, well, the Bible just says these things. Right. And, and so, which, which I get that, but at the same point, um, there are also these biases that are naturally in every person that's here watching. I mean, there's just a bias in us. We all have biases. And so I probably had that bias like, well, and I think there's a major distinction in this conversation. I grew up in a Pentecostal persuasion. You grew up in a fundamental um, sort of persuasion. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and it is often that line, just so you know, in case you don't know, that is often a line between a difference of opinion with men and women in ministry because Correct. within Pentecostalism and we'll get there in a little bit but but like there are different verses that we would adhere to to say well there it says that God's going to use women in much the same way he's using men Correct. Um, but within fundamentalism and so I think it's really important to understand is that if you are hearing people on the internet that are talking about women in ministry and and that sort of thing their their background is probably more of some sort of fundamental evangelicalism mm-hmm. um and not all i don't want to generalize right. but but um they and not all not all pentecostal people you know that have that sort of approach correct but or the other approach right. but what i'm saying is is like that's a that's like a line that's mm-hmm. out there like if you don't believe in many times candidly the you know, the activation of spiritual gifts for today, mm-hmm. with that goes a denial of women in ministry as well. T- I would say typically. Typically, yes. not always. And I think it's just important um, that we that we say from the get-go, um, you know, this is not yes. a, a salvation no. issue. Um, I don't have anything but love yeah. for, for the people, the pastors that, that, taught me as I was growing up um, because they, just like me, are products of their environment. And there are very few people, even sometimes in church leadership, that that are equipped and and have actually done study for themselves to to discern what what scripture is saying. Um, And uh, honestly, it's it's much easier to just go with a status quo yeah. than to take the time to study. And um, that's unfortunate, right. but it's not new to the church. That's true. In that's, many areas. That's true. part of um, all of the you know different big shifts that you see in church typically come because someone takes the time yeah. to dig in and, and read God's word. Yeah. What is God really saying? You know, that wasn't even that wasn't even available 
for yeah. for a long time. So um, today, what we thought would be uh, sort of fun is um, we have a sample of predominantly what is probably out on the internet um, uh, in terms of people's perspectives um, on women in ministry in a negative sense or uh, in the against. Mm -hmm. And so we thought we would just take some time to maybe dive into this video, watch it together, um, and um, and sort of offer some different opinions in this mm -hmm. moment because this is a lot of what you see. On the other side, a lot of what I see with people who are talking about um, you know, they're pro-women in ministry, mm -hmm. they really don't give good, substantial, biblical evidence for it or or biblical interpretation for it. Mm -hmm. They just kind of go, well, you know, Joyce Meyer's out there killing it. You know, Catherine Kuhlman killed it. You know, these are obviously mm -hmm. people being used by God. You know, mm -hmm. you can look out and see, name who, whatever woman you want to in ministry right. who's leading at a high level and they see the fruit, which I think is a proof. I think, you yes. know, we we look at fruitfulness as part of what Jesus says. If you abide in me and I'm in you, you'll bear fruit. So, yes. um, you know, I think the typical approach that I see is sort of this, you know, like, well, I know some women. I knew women that were effective in ministry. I, my grandmother was, you know, not really a pastor. She was a pastor's wife, but man, she preached like, you know, everywhere we went. And right. so, but not out of like some need to be in control, just out of her love for Jesus. Like she right. just led people to Jesus all the time. Right. And so, I mean, a trip to Walmart was like a missions trip for us. I mean, literally it was like, it, we're going to, I, we knew like grandma was like, Hey, we're going to Walmart. And I'm like, we knew it was like, we're not going to Walmart. We're going on a missionary expedition to, you know, Wally world to win the uh -huh. cashiers. And um, my grandma would never go to the self-help line because she's going to talk to somebody <laughs> about Jesus. And so, that most of us in this persuasion are like, well, but I've seen women effective in ministry, so I guess it must happen. And what our heart is, is to try to come along and give you some teeth. Yes. So forgive us if it seemed a little academic at times, but I want you just to understand there is differences of opinion academically. Mm -hmm. There are Correct. very strong um, scholarly academics on both sides of this conversation. Right. And, um, and so... Uh, of which we are not, but we're we're going to try to relate some of that as we go. So we have a video, and this video um, is is not a person, but it's just a, a simple version that's put out. Now, here's please hear this heart from this from the beginning. Our our our, our attempt is not to attack an organization or a video. No. We chose the video because it's not a person. Right. Um, it's it's you know cartoon esque, and so we're not dealing with people, mm -hmm. but we're dealing with the ideas that are put out there. And right. so we're gonna play it. We're gonna stop at times, and uh, and we'll just have a little conversation around that, and maybe give some different biblical perspectives mm -hmm. that will add into it. So if mm -hmm. if you're ready, if I can do this, so here we go. You ready? Okay, I'm ready. let's do this. Okay. What does the Bible say about women pastors? Women pastors. There is perhaps no more hotly debated issue in the church today than the issue of women serving as pastors. As a result, it is very important to not see this issue as men versus women. There are women who believe that women should not serve as pastors and that the Bible places restrictions on the ministry of women. And there are men who believe women can serve as pastors and that there are no restrictions on okay. women in ministry. This is not an issue. So I just I just want to start this by saying this. This is what I noticed in watching this. Did you see how aggressive the women looked in the pulpit as they were preaching? Yes. Like, okay, so. Or, or perhaps they were depicting a, 
a debate about something. Yeah, it, but I mean, like, these women are like, you yeah. know, I mean, I know when they take pictures of me preaching, it's like, you know, I'm like, oh, and I'm just like, ah, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm like, don't use that picture. I look a lunatic, you know? But the reality is, is like, I just want you to notice the subtle undertones of how we're depicting mm -hmm. even the men. As you look at the men in this video, right. it's like, I feel like Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. I mean, there's no gray haired men. There's no, you, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, it's almost this, this is not an issue of chauvinism, um, mm -hmm. but but yet who we're showing is like the younger, more, and we're trying to, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Or am I reading something into it? Um, I think when I looked at it, I just thought, you know, they're trying to cover their bases, but it, it does seem that it's a, a bit more slanted toward, you know, maybe these progressive people who don't really know yeah, scripture. Right. Younger, everybody's young saying, in those pictures, everybody, and the women are super aggressive. I just think those are underlying yeah. sort of biases that go along with this stuff. That I think that's just interesting. That's who you choose because some of the, some of the most uh, helpful people in this conversation I've had are professors that are 30 years into academics and mm -hmm. bald headed, gray haired, wrinkles and uh -huh. all and believe uh -huh. like yeah this is what i see scripture saying from an right. academic and they're some of them are fundamental you know as well yes. so so i just i think it's important to say the recognize the bias in all of this so if yes. you're watching this just just lay your bias aside for a second we're not leading you down a bad path to hell you know this is just a conversation about a non-essential thing but we all have these biases to right. go well uh and especially a man uh like it's good to be king. I've said that before. Like it's if we're going to be in one of the two spots, yeah. You know, to be the one that that seems to be in control of it all is seemingly the more de desirous position. Now, I'm not saying that man don't provide leadership and all of this, mm -hmm. and and you know we're talking about ministry. We're not talking about marriages Correct. and the the covering and all of this. But there is some intertwining of these two ideals mm -hmm. and how they operate together. So. Correct. Um, I think it's so it, it it goes into this is not an issue of chauvinism. And I know we're taking time with this, but I think this is one of the problems with this approach mm -hmm. um, is that, you know, we always say good theology has to work in everyday life. Correct. And if you extrapolate this theology of the subjugation, submissiveness of women under men in general in the church, mm -hmm. and you take this out to the the third or fourth or fifth iteration of this into um you know third world countries and and places you know even within some of the american you know um then what you start finding is you'll even find women who are being abused under this ideology mm -hmm. with the license being scripture right Exactly right. Much like, you know, I would say even within slavery, within our own mm -hmm. nation's history, there was a time there was a slave owner's Bible that the Bible was used to reinforce an idea of subjugation of one people under another mm -hmm. because of skin color primarily mm -hmm. in that in that instance. Mm -hmm. And I think so good theology has got to work in every every situ, everyday life. Correct. So it should work for the poorest of the poor uh -huh. and it should work for the wealthiest of the wealthy, mm -hmm. not just, you know, and, and this was true of the Bible. This yes. was not just our culture. Mm -hmm. Most of the people coming to Christ, there were yes, there were a few influential men and women, which mm -hmm. we'll talk about a little bit, mm -hmm. uh, who were coming to Christ in the New Testament. But by and large, they were probably slaves, mm -hmm. freedmen. Yes. Um, and so for them, and got to keep in mind, when you're a slave, 
uh, in that culture, it is synonymous with being a sexual servant as well, if mm-hmm. if desired by mm-hmm. your masters. Mm-hmm. And so this gets really sticky really quick mm-hmm. when we say, well, it's just not chauvinism. Well, I think it, you know, not everybody who believes this is a chauvinist, not everybody Correct. is abusive. Correct. But just, I would say like, why doesn't prosperity gospel, you know, just the name it, claim it, you know, manifest it work? Mm-hmm. Well, because it doesn't work in a third world country. Right. I don't see people in third world countries, you know, in poverty flying jets. You know right. what I mean? It's a very Americanized thing. Mm-hmm. And so this has got to work. Right. Like beyond just our own Americanized version. So. Right. All right. You ready? To, yeah. That was a lot for the first 30 seconds of this video. So it's going to take <laughs> this us eight hours. This is not an issue of chauvinism or discrimination. This. It is an issue of biblical interpretation. And that is key. The word that, biblical interpretation. Yes, completely agree with that. Quietness that and full that submission. it is, it is completely biblical an issue of, of interpretation of of interpretation by men and women, I right. suppose. Right. But it is it is about how a scripture is interpreted. Yes, that's correct. And I think we have to keep in mind in that interpretation, we are living in a predominantly patriarchal um you know androcentric men-centered mm-hmm. especially you know, today and i mean mm-hmm. less probably today in some regard maybe maybe you know than the bible mm-hmm. i would but, say, i would say our society is less right patriarchal today i don't know that that has really found its way um into right into the church and some would some would large. say which, well it shouldn't yes you know what i mean yes. some would say well bless god we're we're holding the line yes and you know, I just think when you consider where it's coming from, it helps mm-hmm. you understand. So yes. let's keep going. He's reading the scripture. A woman should learn in quietness and submission. I do submission. not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man. She must be silent. In the church, God assigns different roles to men and to women. This is a result of the way mankind was created okay, and the way in which right sin there. entered the world. God, uh, through the apostle he, Paul. He references that this is a result of the way men and women were created. Yes. So if we're going to talk about creation, I think we need to go back to Genesis 1. Yes. Which is the creation account. Yeah. And if if we look at that chapter, what we know is that men and women were created. Um, yes, man was created first, woman was created from right. men, but as God is is talking to them as he is directing them as to what his plan is it is that that they are to equally as partners co-rule on earth as god's image bearers he does not make a distinction of men do this and women do this he addresses them both together he walks together with both of them in the cool of the evening face to face he has relationship with both of them right so there seems to be the way they were created is together um uh stewarding you know guarding and and stewarding the garden mm-hmm. developing mm-hmm. and walking with god in the cool of the day intimacy and it was all together mm-hmm. yes not one necessarily above the other mm-hmm. so then um while we're here then let's talk about where this a big sticking point for me in this like wait a minute was so then where did where did it go wrong mm-hmm. Um, Where did it change? Do you want to? I think they talk about. Do they? Yeah. Okay. Well, I want to go back to to let's just mention because we do need to address the women to to not to teach because this is the major one that when yes. you read it you're like well there it is you know you yes. just can't teach it 
And I think that, um, I think what's important about this to understand in that entire Second Timothy um, scripture, let, let's let's back up before we just. This is a, a a selected verse that says, "I do not allow women to teach; they must remain quiet mm-hmm. and in submission." Mm-hmm. Okay, and so um, I think what's important to this is a lot of context, and here's why I say that's important. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to read Second Timothy, First Timothy two nine. Mm-hmm. Also keep in mind, Timothy is primarily pastoring in the city of Ephesus. So there's conversation about women and men in Ephesus and their roles. Um, But I want to read this because this is what we didn't talk about in this verse. Okay. Mm -hmm. Likewise, also the women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control. No problem with that. Right. Right. We're good on that. Yes. Not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly attire. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's my question. Um, but with that, with what's proper for a woman who press, professes God in this with good works? Let a woman learn quietly in submission. So mm-hmm. we jump to the submit, be quiet, but we for, we just bypass all this. You shouldn't wear your hair in a braid. Right. You shouldn't wear gold, pearls, or costly attire. Right. So what is costly attire? Well, you can say, well, I get my clothes at Walmart. Well, the problem is, is that subjectively in Christianity in the world today, some mm-hmm. people are living on a dollar a day. So your, your Walmart, you know, clothes, nothing wrong with Walmart, but like your inexpensive clothes are, are costly to, to somebody. So we do not address a very specific contextual direction, I believe by Paul to them. Mm-hmm. And so the same people, nobody talks about that. So right. why don't they? Well, because we want to jump to talk about, you need to be quiet. And, and I think, do you want to you want to take a stab at that explaining kind of what well obviously um what what so is it wrong to wear gold i mean you have no, gold earrings i do have well, well gold colored gold colored yeah, earrings so you're still you're still going to heaven that's good all right I like that but i mean you know if you have if you have a gold ring on right you know right. yeah like paul would say man no but why but not is, really but why because, is Paul right. saying, why is no? saying no? Why yeah. is he saying no? Is because of the temple worship yeah. that took place specifically in Ephesus. Right. That that And I would say throughout even, but Ephesus was a hotbed of it. Ephesus, I mean, it was like correct. cultic worship was everywhere. Correct. You know, this this pagan women priestess thing was everywhere. Yes. So go ahead. Yes. And the and the female priests in this pagan religion were were identified visually visually absolutely by the, the way they braided their hair <laughs> gold the that gold they wore, the clothes the they clothes wore. that they wore right. all of that is is what paul is coming against right because he's saying you know he's he's reminding them that we are to look different from the world we're to be separated yeah. from those occultic practices and, and, I, and i think it even truthfully i think as long with that along with that it goes deeper these are women who had high levels of cultic, um, ungodly leadership, mm-hmm. most of it sexual as well, mm-hmm. okay? And so they leave this religion, mm-hmm. this this belief system, and mm-hmm. find Christianity to be where they feel drawn, or Jesus as right. Savior. Right, And so they think, cool, I'm just going to move over here mm-hmm. and... and Maybe, maybe minus the sex, maybe, maybe not, because Paul has to deal with a lot of sex stuff in the church as well that's right. going on, right? And sexual immorality and Correct. connect and and 
prostitutes, which were often connected with the temples. It wasn't just, Correct. you know, ladies of the night on the street corner. They were always connected with these cultic it worship was part places. part of their worship. Yeah. And so, and so there's a part of it where like they want to just leave leadership here and come over here, mm-hmm. which I think then says, which adds value to they shouldn't be teaching. Correct. <laughs> because they need to learn well, well, in quietness us, and submissiveness first yes. before they would ever come to a place of leadership. All of us, when we leave our life before Christ, absolutely have have this period of time where where part of the work of Holy Spirit is is un unlearning yeah. what 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 has come so naturally for Absolutely. us. It is, it is the picture of the Israelites wandering in the desert. That was all about right, God right. having it's to rewire. Sit down and learn. Correct. You don't need rewire to teach. And even scripture process. tells us, don't put a novice in leadership. Correct. Because the enemy will destroy him. So yes. is this an issue of of specifically women or, or as, as, a, as a total totality, or is it an issue of contextually what's happening in the church and paul is telling timothy mm-hmm. hey mm-hmm. and telling his women it's to me it's almost like paul everybody would have known exactly who who paul was probably talking about in 100%. that regard you know what i mean yes. but he was i think he was being a little bit gracious to them and kind and not calling them out by name uh-huh. and just going hey here's some behaviors we're going to stay away from and here's what right. you need to be doing right now right and and actually being really kind even to those women that are leaving exactly this in saying let's let's let you get your feet solid underneath of you sometimes the kindest thing we can do for new christians is not put a bunch of weight upon them that they're then trying to lead when they don't have their feet on a solid ground absolutely absolutely okay so let's get back to genesis because i didn't want to miss that verse because that verse is used misused misused i believe yes but it's interpreted that way Um, so we, we kind of hit that a little bit as a good pretext, but let's go back to Genesis because everybody's together building men and women, Mm -hmm. and then somehow it all falls apart. Yes. Do you want to push play? And is that what's next? Okay. I I think, I think it might be what's coming. I'm so glad you're here. The way mankind was created and the way in which sin entered the world. God through the apostle Paul restricts women from serving in roles of teaching and or having spiritual authority over men. Okay. This precludes women from serving as pastors over men, which definitely includes preaching to them, teaching okay, them publicly, so we need to and exercising. Pause. I'm sorry. I thought they talked about. Yeah. It's so that's okay. We're we're watching this together on the fly, just interacting. It's all good. So, um, okay. In the same vein, let's go back and let's cover where it all fell apart first. Okay. Because we want to go back to creation. Yes. And then we want to want to yes. pick it up. So creation happens yes i think everyone agrees i shouldn't say everyone that's a generalization that wouldn't everyone at this table everyone at this table and those in this room agree you agree that you agree yeah that so far we're 100 percent. god's design was for men and women to lead guard guide the garden as his representatives here on earth right okay face-to-face relationship so Enter the fall. Right. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Right. Fall of man, mm-hmm. which obviously brings with it a number of curses. Yes. You're going to work hard on the ground to produce. Work is no longer be fun and easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to, you know, you're going to, ha- you're going to struggle by the sweat of your brow. Right. Mm-hmm. That's part of man's, you know, you're mm-hmm. going to be separated from this garden. Right. Yes. And then it comes to women and men. And it says, um, actually, I think I have it. I'll just read to you. Um, 
In Genesis 3, it says, to the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. Stinks to be you, right? Apparently, it, it does. Didn't, didn't hurt before that, right? Well, um, nobody knows. Nobody knows. I mean, we don't know if she had kids before that or we if don't. she had kids before that, well, but who knows? In pain, you shall bring forth children. Um, I can attest to that. Yes. So that, that curse happened. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. So yes. there is the the banging of heads between yes. men and women about control mm-hmm. and and he says you know what's going to happen is you're going to your desire is going to be for him but he's going to one translation is going to dominate Dominier. you he's going to mm-hmm. dominate you he's going to rule over you mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so this is where many people take the concept of the subjugation of women mm-hmm. um uh, as to be this is how we're living right and i would agree that 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 is where you start seeing yeah the the shift the shift yeah however right on we've got to get to a really important point which is um enter jesus right into the world god sends him for for what purpose Re- the redemption of right. All mankind to reverse reverse the curse and to, to reverse, reverse the, the curse. Yeah. So is of this sin, death in the grave is is the subjugation of women part of the curse? Well, part of the curse was going to be sickness, mm-hmm. separation from God, mm-hmm. and we would say Jesus by my stripes you're healed by yes. his hi- by his stripes you're healed. Uh-huh. He reversed that to uh-huh. say there's healing now available. Uh-huh. His um, blood, his blood penalty. forgives us, restores mm-hmm. us to God. Yes, uh, we would say. Um, you know, there's still pain in childbirth. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, work is still hard. Work is still hard. Yes. Um, and so some of this is descriptive of what it's going to continue to be like. Correct. But not prescriptive in terms of what God intended or desired. Correct. So the big question about Genesis is, is the subjugation of women to men God's design or is it a product of the fall? And I think that's what you have to answer. Because right. if you can answer that and say, well, it's a product of the fall, then Jesus came to address that. Mm-hmm. And he's bringing us back to mm-hmm. um, this place of men and women. To get, that's his ideal. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know what I mean? And, and to me, that is what living the Christian life is about. Yeah. It is about redeeming and returning right. to God's original design exactly. for us. Where we're going in the end. Yes. yes. And I think that you will still see men dominate women. Correct. And you will still see women um, desire to, you know, to to dominate men. And I Correct. think that's a lot of what we see in terms of misogyny and chauvinism uh-huh. and uh, abuse even at times. Right. Uh, and then feminism. And, uh-huh. you know, a lot of times I think, honestly, the result of the feminism is often a result of that chauvinism and chauvinism. Mm-hmm. They're just battling it out from Correct. that sinful, fallen nature place. Correct. Rather, Rather than... than- what we see, which is which is what our heart is to yeah. to lead and to model, is doing this yeah, together. Together, not you over me, not me over Absolutely. you. Absolutely, but together, right? Leading and and that's work. It's that's a it's ton work, of work and it's messy because you know we're strong personalities, both of us, you know, but we also mutually submit at times and go, no, I, I hear what you. And I don't think there's you know any there's I don't know of any pastor friends of mine who honestly, if I were to ask them to their face like, do you ever really make a a, a life-changing decision without 
running this by your wife and going, hey, how are you feeling? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? Right. You know what I mean? And so like you're closer to this than you think you are. You know yes. what I mean? Yes. And it puts this unnecessary pressure, I think, at times. And I just get, you know, I get worn out with with pastors sometimes just like using fear tactics like, you know, well, you're going to have these women running all over the church. And I'm just like, no, no, that's like, give me a freaking break. You know, mm-hmm. can you say freaking? But like, it's just to me, it's like, no, it's together. It's it's yes. working like we do with any Right. You know, believer in the body and, you know, it's together. We're building the kingdom of God together. It's not about asserting dominance in either direction. Mm -hmm. And I think they push fear buttons in people. Agreed. And and so people just, they just, you know, and again, everybody loves a freak show and people who create fear and all that. So I just think that, you know, I think just got to slow down and, and say, we're not saying that, you know, women are to be in charge of everything and men are to be in charge of everything. Or women are, you know, like men should walk around you know, subjugated, nor should women walk around. We're just saying together. Yes. Come back to yes. that that place. And yes. so a little passionate about that. Cause I get I get tired of all that like fear mongering that goes on, you know, just to just to create, you know, fear, I guess, right. in people. So okay, we're ready to keep well, moving. Well what 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 scripture did they just address? That was that was the he didn't address the scripture. He made a conclusion out of the scripture they can't teach. They can't have authority over men in public, which I think is all like, where Where do you... Well, I think I want to address where, that where do you see that? that he used. That was Timothy. I it was think, the same one he used. Yeah. So, but if if we're saying that this is, is an issue on biblical interpretation... Yeah, good. I'm glad you, I'm glad you stopped us Then there. we've got to go to that Greek verb... Yes, that Lay Paul it used, Lay it and, and I'm actually going to borrow from uh, Dr. Nijay Gupta, yeah. who is one of the translators for the NIV. Yes. And so he's, so he's been around the Bible. He's a bit. part of that team. Yes. So um, so the uh, the Greek verb is authentio and um, the they found, I think, about 12 right. uh, for authority. For authority. That's the word authority. I yes. do not permit a woman to have authority. authority. Okay. Yes. And so they found about 12, that's it, 12 instances of this particular verb being used um, in, in everything that they could uncover, about 12 right. instances. Right. So one has to question, why would Paul choose a verb that's not common? And I think the answer really has to has to be that he was he was wanted, very specific he wanted thing to Paul use this saying. very specific word right and this very specific word everything that they can find those 12 instances it really spoke to um um those in authority that have this authentio the people who are targets of of that authentio are harmed forced against their will or compelled, right. or at least their self-interest is overridden because the actions involve the imposition of the subject's will over against the recipient's will, ranging from dishonor to lethal force. Okay, so tell us what that means in layman's terms. So in layman's terms, what what this verb would mean would be that Paul would be saying, I don't permit women to force against their will men to ascribe to to a teaching 
that a woman is forcing because again, upon them. Well, why would a woman do that? Well, again, remember who these women are. Historically. Historically. Priestess come from the top of the food chain in Correct. cultic worship. Correct. They're used to getting their way. They're yes. used to imposing their will. Yes. And so in the same vein, and if you continue in that scripture, it starts talking mm-hmm. about Adam and Eve, which a ton of people I've seen use Correct. this verse say, well, see, it goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. Right. Which again, design or product of the fall right. is one piece. Right. But then there's an argument that did Eve institute her will in taking the fruit mm-hmm. over, even over Adam. Did she take his place? Yes. You, you know what I mean? Right. And this is so dangerous because what's what's born out of this whole Eve taking the fruit mm-hmm. is truthfully within church history, if you do any study, mm-hmm. this gets exploited massively to start believing women are more sinful. Mm-hmm. Women are by nature, you know, they're just given to sin. They're the cause of sin. They're... Um, you know, they're less than man because of this. And so there's a lot of really bad theology in a lot of the church fathers right? in in the patriarchy of the day that was right. just really that ungodly, I think. That, that had its origins thousands and thousands of years ago. And because no one has ever stopped right. to really examine scripture, it's the same thing, you know, Mary Magdalene, everyone thinks that she was a prostitute. Right. There's, There's nowhere in scripture. There's a great assumption in that. that. She had seven demons, but we don't know what, what that was. We don't know what that was. And and yet she she followed Jesus closely. Right. Was it was obedient There's to, some who believe to that Mary Magdalene, Jesus following. Her name Jesus, literally means Mary of Magdala. Yes. And some people believe that she was a merchant, that she was a traveling salesman, that she was wealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously demon possessed. That's very right. clear. Jesus cast seven right. demons out of her. Right. But... The reason they called her Mary of Magdala was because she would have been traveling around. If she'd uh-huh. never left her hometown, she'd prostitute in her own hometown, they then they would just call her Mary by her parents' surname like everybody else, yes. you know? And yes. so there's more to that picture yeah. th- that we make a lot of assumptions. Well. Right. We always see them as sinful, prosperous. Yeah. You know, the fact that she had five wives, like, well, there, that proves five it. You know, husbands. Five husbands. Thank you. Yeah, that's a whole nother <laughs> podcast. But, uh, but uh, she had five husbands. And we go, well, see there, well- Mortality rates were crazy right. with war. I mean, she could right. three of them could have died. We don't. That's very common. Exactly. I mean, there, I've read stories of women having twelve kids and two of them surviving to adulthood. That's right. so common. Right. And, and the fact that he says, and the then man divorce that was common. The man that you're living with now is not your husband. That could have been a cousin, an uncle, a brother. But well, it, we instantly jump yeah. to right. She's living in. She's sin. living in. There's sin. another. There's another thought with that is that she could have been a concubine, and mm-hmm. we we would obviously frown on that. You know, like, well, that's not cool. But in the days of the Bible being written, that time, concubines were a legal solution because mm-hmm. of um, the preserving of family wealth mm-hmm. to have someone as your basically live in concubine instead of your wife to, because if you get married, she's now entitled to part of the wealth. And so there were some men who was like, I can't give you up, give up my family wealth for other reasons and so mm-hmm. we're just gonna we're gonna be in a committed i'm not saying it's right correct not saying it's, it's by the scripture right but i'm just saying it's the culture of the day right and and so in her mind she being like i'm not living in sin i'm i'm actually attached to joe over here as a concubine and right and and so right. but again the point is there's a lot of assumptions out there uh-huh. when it comes to women and their their automatic sinfulness right which sets us up in a bias to go well they need a good man to Right. You know, 
Um, Keep them in line. I, I literally heard a pastor say one time that if you know if a wife doesn't have a husband, then because because Eve her husband Adam went there for Eve, she was led by the devil. And I'm just like, man, like that's oh, that's like, give me a. <sighs> You know, give me a break. You know, I'm, I'm just pretty a, sure Mary, the mother of Jesus, yeah. didn't have a husband for a while. Yeah. Well, at least in the first few days there. So, but you know, I'm saying it's just it's like where does this stuff come from? And yeah. so I think that's yeah. a that's a challenging thought. So, you ready to keep going? There are many right. objections to we this view of women in pastoral we'll ministry. We're getting the common her out there. one is that Paul restricts women from teaching because in the first century, women were typically uneducated. However, true and untrue. I'm not going to stop it. That's not always true. Nowhere there were a lot of women who were educational status, except for Paul said, "Go and teach them at home." So he wanted ministry. Then the majority of Jesus' disciples would have not been qualified. A second common objection is that Paul only restricted the women of Ephesus from teaching men. First Timothy was written to Timothy, the pastor of the church in Ephesus. Ephesus was known for its temple to Artemis and women were the authorities in that branch of paganism. Therefore, the theory goes, Paul was only reacting against the female-led customs of the Ephesian idolaters, and the church needed to be different. However, the book of 1 Timothy nowhere mentions Artemis, nor does Paul mention the standard practice of Artemis worshipers as a reason for the restrictions in 1 Timothy 2, 11-12. Okay. The argument in a in because of an absence right argument from silence it's, you, it's not an integrous way to interpret the bible right right jesus never said there wasn't unicorns so there it's are true. unicorns you, you cannot interpret from silence so to sit and say well he never said it so this is what he meant by it right um is 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 a weak a weak way to interpret scripture right. to right. say the least a third objection is that Paul is only referring to husbands and wives, not men and women in general. The Greek words for woman and man in 1 Timothy 2 could refer to husbands and wives. However, the basic meaning of the words is broader than that. Further, the same Greek words are used in verses 8 through 10. Are only husbands to lift up holy hands in prayer without anger and disputing? Verse 8. Are only wives to dress modestly, have good deeds, and worship God? Verses 9 through 10. Of course not. Verses 8 through 10 clearly refer to all women and men, not just husbands and wives. There is nothing in the context that would indicate a narrowing to husbands and wives in verses 11 through 14. Yet another objection to this interpretation of women in pastoral ministry is in relation to women who held positions of leadership in the Bible, specifically Miriam, Deborah, and Huldah in the Old Testament. Okay. I want to talk about Miriam and Deborah and Esther and, you know, Lollapalooza. I mean, like, um, uh, yeah, I feel like I should throw the flag on that deal. But uh, (laughs) so I agree. These are poor illustrations if you're talking about the ministry of the local church today. These are poor illustrations. And I wish, you know, people who are pro-women in ministry would stop using Deborah and Esther as their go-to examples. They did what I do see out of them. God used them to lead in a major way. Yes. Um, Which reinforces what we tend to stand on is the complete overarching nature of scripture, not just, 
you know, well, it says this and this, well, Paul says this. And then, okay, well, it's, and we'll get to Paul in a minute about, yeah. about what else he says about women. Right. right. But it's the overarching nature of scripture. And right. so this falls in that category to go like we've already talked about Adam and Eve. Yes. You know, we, we haven't talked about Ruth or different ones like that. But, mm-hmm. but these women that are often used, um, God used them mm-hmm. in civil leadership, spiritual leadership, yes. prophetic leadership. Yes. Uh, Miriam was a prophetess. So mm-hmm. one of what would eventually become the fivefold offices in the New Testament church. But but the New Testament church, Paul says, was a mystery. So yes. nobody even saw it coming. Did not exist. Yeah. So do not use the nation of Israel to be, I think it could be concealed in it, but Correct. like people who use this, I'm like, you're not doing yourself any favors. Right. There are women in the New Testament, mm-hmm. in Paul's writings, yes. that carried office and position within the church by Paul's own admission in writing that I think we can we can address but we'll we'll see if that comes I don't it doesn't come up in this video from what I remember which I think is very interesting but this is picking the weakest argument and refuting the weakest 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 point so I would agree like these are not ones that these women were chosen by God for special service to him and that they stand as models of faith courage and yes leadership However, the authority of women in the Old Testament is not relevant to the issue of pastors in the church. I can agree with that. We agree with that. The New Testament epistles present a new paradigm for God's people, the church, the body of Christ. And that paradigm involves an authority structure unique to the church, not for the nation of Israel or for any other Old Testament entity. Similar arguments are made using Priscilla and Phoebe in the New Testament. Okay. So let's talk about Priscilla and Phoebe. Well, let's, let's, I want to hear him out. I want to see what he has. 18, Priscilla and Aquila are presented as faithful ministers for Christ. Priscilla's name is mentioned first, perhaps indicating that she was more prominent in ministry than her husband. Did Priscilla and her husband teach the gospel of Jesus Christ to Apollos? Yes. In their home, they explained to him the way of God more adequately. Does the Bible ever say that Priscilla pastored a church or taught publicly? or became the spiritual leader of a congregation of saints? No. As far as we know, Priscilla was not involved in ministry as as activity in contradiction to 1 Timothy 2, 11-14. In Romans 16, 1, okay. Phoebe is... So, that all sounds great. A lot of, a lot of from absence, again, from silence. Do, as far as we know, he doesn't say... It doesn't say that she, she didn't either, but, mm-hmm. but here's the thing I would say about this, is she did teach Apollos, a man. Mm-hmm. Who knew, you know, a, a fair amount of, with biblical accuracy today, what we'd mm-hmm. say, mm-hmm. Um, they just brought him into a deeper understanding and knowledge of Jesus. Yes. So she did teach him. Yes. And and I find A it, man. Yes. I find it funny that they say in the home. Right. Um, where was the church? Where was the church? Where was the church, my friend? In the New Testament. It's yeah. beginnings were And I think there's a homes. real misunderstanding about that because the woman's domain of management and leadership was the home correct and it wasn't just like raising the babies because honestly if 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 priscilla probably um i don't know about priscilla but phoebe will get there some of these more wealthy patron women that we talk about in scripture Mm -hmm. um, they would have probably had servants who were doing a lot of the household labor and work they would have probably had people doing that stuff for them so Mm -hmm. it wasn't like my job's to make the bread like right they were the leaders of commerce in their home it was the center of economics it was the center of business for them it was the center of of the church as yes. well. So to think that they suddenly gave up any leadership or directing, um, and we'll get to Phoebe here in a minute, but uh-huh. like 
and again, it is very common and and normalized within the culture of the day to name first the most prominent and very unusual that you would name a wife first. Correct. That is against the culture of the day for for Paul to write that. Correct. So and he writes it purposely more than once. Yes. And we have to interpret scripture in light of other scripture. What is common practice? Even Paul's common practice. There's so many Yes. you know, so many instances that we can look at how did Paul what was Paul's norm? And then what did he do here? Because I don't think that Paul was random, and I certainly don't believe that the Holy Spirit inspired yeah. random. Right, I agree with that. So let me ask you this. So the normal way to say it, the normalized way to say this yes. is if we're talking about both gender groups, we would say men and women. Correct. That's the way we say it. Yes. When I hear someone say women and men, they're saying something. Yes. So I, I actually heard a podcast of a guy um, and it wasn't a was he's a believer, but not a church podcast. And he was talking about um, this issue. wasn't talking about like women in church and leadership, but he just talking about in his in his business. Mm-hmm. It's so skewed uh, in this particular field he's in towards men that he purposely within himself has made the decision to to constantly say, "Hey, we want all women and men," you know. And it so I'm like every time he's saying it, he's saying something, right? Like because our culture says say men and women. Yes, that's the natural off the tongue. Like. Yes. They're both men and women. We don't yes. say, well, they're women and men. Yes. It, that doesn't, there's nothing wrong with saying either one of those, but that's right. not, that's, so I would say Paul, much in the same way, uh-huh. the natural way to write this would be Aquila and Priscilla, Correct. and on more than one occasion, he flips it around. So uh-huh. what's he saying? That's what, and again, I can't say what Paul's saying, uh-huh. but I do know he, the we scripture says she taught Apollos. Different. Yes. She did teach Apollos, yes. who was a teacher, yes. who was a good preacher yes. by scripture's yeah. admonition. Well, so, Paul commends. Right. And so I'm like, okay, I'm like, but they act like it's like, wait, it was in secret, you know, like, and like, so Paul gives permission for secret. Like, right. It's not her, it's not her kids. See right. what a lot of churches will do is they'll say, well, you can teach up to age 17. And 364 you know. days. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh man, that's such a reach to, to, right. to do what you really know is right but just are afraid to do it because you're caught up in you know i'll just leave it there okay so let's talk about 16 one phoebe is called a deacon or servant in the church and is highly commended by paul messenger but as with priscilla there is nothing in scripture to indicate that phoebe was a pastor or teacher of men in the church Um, pause able to teach yes go for it so what they're they're from from what I'm understanding, they're saying they agree that she was a deacon. A deacon, right? So deacons should be able to teach. Well, if you read the Bible, that's what that. Yeah, know, I, I'm so pretty sure. Okay, so but she so she can teach. So what we're assuming is is that Paul just gave her a pet name. If you don't believe that she had, did she have real authority as a deacon? And here's the thing: it goes deeper than that because a lot of people believe that um, she's actually called a patron. Uh-huh. Um, in and in, in the first two verses, it's a whole list. She talks about Paul just goes on a whole woman streak there, like mm-hmm. you know Priscilla, Aquila. Mm-hmm. You know he just lists them all like there, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, he's giving shout outs to all these women and how yeah. important they are to his ministry. And but he calls them things. He calls them uh-huh. uh, Junia, uh-huh. who's who's uh, uh, outstanding amongst the apostles. Yes, uh, which they don't mention this in this one. 
which is interesting. They don't mention in this this video, I don't think. Um, uh, which so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna mention it. We're yes. gonna talk about it. So, but Phoebe, let's go back to Phoebe because she's yes. deaconess. Diaconos means um, they oh, servant. It does mean servant, but it also means messenger. Right. So yeah, I mean there is space within the title he gave her to say that she was teaching something. Yes. And some would believe that she carried because she was the leader of the church, house church. It was her house, which means that's where the church would have been. Uh-huh. She carried the letter of Romans to the church which means she would have been a part of the understanding it with Paul. A lot of times you mm-hmm. have to understand this to deliver it. Right. And so she, Paul would have been bringing her along in Romans, the most, one of the deep, deepest theological books right. that we have. Right. And, you know, and says here, take this and go teach this, go, mm-hmm. go relay this. Right. Just that alone would have given her a position of prominence and authority within the church. Correct. That church especially. Yeah. So I, I think yeah. that's uh, something. Is given as a qualification for elders, but not for deacons. Oh, there you go. He says oh. not. The structure of 1 Timothy 2, 11 through 14 makes the reason why women cannot be pastors perfectly clear. Perfectly. Verse 13 begins with four, giving the cause of Paul's statement in verses 11 through 12. Why should women not teach or have authority over men? Because Adam was created first, then Eve. And Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived. See, that's that's the root of a very dangerous progression if you mm-hmm. buy into it. Mm-hmm. It was a man. Mm-hmm. Well, Scripture tells us that Adam was there. Right. Well, it, here's what I would say. If she were deceived, Adam rebelled, which is worse. I mean, if you well, think about it. Rebellion, I would say. I, you know, if I'm deceived, I didn't know something and I engaged in it wrongfully. Still, uh-huh. still sin. Correct. Both are sin. Correct. But if I knowingly take the bite as well. Uh-huh. You know, even if he wasn't there, what there, I think if he's there, not there, I mean, mm-hmm. did she usurp that position, take it? And then uh-huh. that's what created this domineering, putting her will on him that we talked about earlier. But yeah, I mean, it, but it, this is precurse. Yeah. But they don't mention, they don't, they don't mention this. Right. Like they don't mention. God created Adam first and then he created Eve to oh, be goodness. a helper for Adam. Please talk the about order the order of. Yeah. I think, I think you, you could talk about the helper. I would just say this, my my understanding of the helper, number one, it's what God calls himself. Correct. I am Israel's helper. Yes. So this is not a diminished statement. You know, like you're just, you're my help helper, help helpy. Mm-hmm. This is like I am I am I am exactly what's gonna make you make it, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? But and, also the woman azura, the the word for woman in this uh-huh. regard of for helper. And and it it has the connotation of of in military, right. in battle. Right. I'm warrior. your helper. I'm right. your warrior in battle. Yeah. And so I, you know, the fact that that that's how God refers to Himself. I don't. I don't see God ever ever placing Himself as is He secondary as a secondary. Yeah. He's like I have a specific role to play. Correct. In this union, because and in as everything do, that yeah. God does, He partners with us. Yes. He doesn't dominate us. Yeah. Creation right, has universal application in the family and in the church. The fact that Eve was deceived was also given in First Timothy. I think it's interesting. This is just a side note. He just says the order of has universal application, but yet family earlier, and family and the church. But yet earlier, he says the Old Testament has no implication on the New Testament church. Mm-hmm. But where's Genesis? It seems almost like a contradiction of statements in their own. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying God's not a God of order, but I'm just like, it's a, it's a reach to say 
the old you can't use Deborah. The Old Testament has no bearing on the New Testament church. Mm-hmm. But creation, the Old Testament has a bearing on every uh, the New Testament family and church. And so I just it's just an interesting thought. Right. The two fourteen as a reason for women not serving as pastors or having spiritual authority over men. This does not mean that women are more gullible or that they are all more easily deceived than men. If all women were more easily deceived, why would they be allowed to teach children who are easily deceived and other women who are supposedly more easily deceived? The text simply says that women are not to teach men or have spiritual authority over men because Eve was deceived. God has chosen to give men the primary teaching authority in the church. Many women excel in gifts of hospitality, (laughs) mercy, teaching, evangelism, and helping and serving. Much of the ministry of the local church depends on women. Women in the church church are not restricted from public praying or prophesying, only from having spiritual teaching authority over men. The Bible nowhere restricts women from exercising the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Women, just as much as men, are called to minister to others, to demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit and to proclaim the gospel to the lost. God has ordained that only men are to serve in positions of spiritual teaching authority in the church. This is not because men are necessarily better teachers or because women are inferior or less intelligent, which is not the case. It is simply the way God designed the church to function. Men are to set the example in spiritual. Okay, that, that's all just a bunch of like, like for me, just a bunch of buffer stuff to be like, hey, we're not, we're not a bunch of chauvinists, man. We're not, a, you know, like, like all the reasons why we're trying to unwind where this ultimately leads. Okay. So mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know that it has, I think we're at the end of this thing. So I, I do want to talk about, about Junia in this, which is not mentioned in this because, and I'll read the, the scripture in uh, first in Romans chapter 16, verse one says, again, we talk about, about Phoebe, a servant of the church at, um, and that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you for she has been a patron uh, patrons in scripture were often women of high influence, high financial capabilities mm-hmm. um, who funded. I mean, Joanna funded Jesus ministry yes. as a patron, yes. as one who many women, Jesus had both women and men disciples. Yes. So, you know, when he sent out men and women and again, our like women couldn't travel today, wouldn't have been the, the honor culture. It's different in those days. Mm-hmm. Um, some may some may some may not have. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, but they're not restricted from it to think, well, you're a woman. You can't, you can't travel, which is right. what some people think. But, um, for she's been a patron of many myself as well. Greet, greet, uh, Prisca, which is Priscilla and Aquila. Again, that reversal mm-hmm. of names and fellow worker in Christ Jesus who risked their necks for my life and whom only give thanks, but the churches and the Gentiles give thanks as well. And then she goes on and talks about, um, Junia in verse seven, it says, greet uh, Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding amongst the apostles. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were in Christ Jesus before I was. They were they were serving Jesus before I was. Mm-hmm. And so um, Junia is called an apostle. Yes. And again, um, the apostles are sent ones, messengers. They're building kingdoms. Every other apostle you read in scripture is a spiritual leader in the church and establishing mm-hmm. new works. She, this woman's gone to jail yes. uh, under persecution because mm-hmm. not because she's being quiet, right? But because she's out there teaching Jesus in probably the Roman culture that is rejecting Christianity at this point. Mm-hmm. But here's what's interesting: one of my professors made a profound statement um, in the Latin. <clears throat> um, um, there was a transition of Junia, which is a very common Roman name. 
um, the name. Female name. Female name. Yes. yes. But very common, very well-established. Junia um, uh, um, was the Latin actually in his, I think in the 1400s, I could be wrong, but uh, about that date. But the Latin actually translated to a man's name um, of Junius, mm-hmm. which is a very uncommon name in Rome. It's unestablished, you know. Probably a lot like Waylon. Like there's not many of them. You know, <laughs> you're not gonna find a lot. Ju- uh, Junia, all over the place as a woman. Uh-huh. Junius, no, that's not a real name. Uh-huh. Basically, there, is, there was a few, but not not enough to establish it. Right. And so it was literally written when it was translated to a man's name. Uh huh. So they literally wrote out a woman out of the Bible in this instance because it created this problem of she's an apostle. Correct. I, I say that. Um, I would assume that. I'm not going to assume motive, but this is what happened. This is, we can only judge what happened. What I, what my professor said to me one time I thought was so interesting. He said, well, uh, and then later on as they came back and started retranslating some things into Greek and into ultimately English, they started going like, nope, it's a woman. Uh-huh. And, and so you'll find people who say, well, Jania wasn't, she wasn't really an apostle. She was just well known. She was just a good person in the church. The apostles knew. Uh-huh. And what's funny about it is there was no doubt, uh, Junius was an apostle. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Because they thought it was two men. Uh huh. Um, there were, he said there was. There was, it was no, never contested. Never contested that it that it was an apostle when it was a man. Uh huh. But when it becomes a woman, uh-huh. suddenly now there's like real question as to whether she's a, an apostle or not. And uh-huh. so I just think that's again one of those instances where, you know, um, it's a, it's a little bit challenging in the culture that we live in. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure if there's anything else we, we want to in their lives and through their work this little bit. Women are to take a less authoritative role. Women are encouraged to teach other women. The Bible also does not restrict women from teaching children. The only activity women are restricted from is teaching or having spiritual authority over men. This precludes women from serving as pastors to men. This does not make women less important by any means, but rather gives them a ministry focus more in agreement with God's plan and his gifting of them. Again, so we have to go back to what is God's plan, and that's a an interpretation that is God's mm-hmm. plan is for women to what they've said. We would say it is God's plan is for men and women together, yes, uh, building the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do want to reference just a few more that are probably thrown out there at times, um, mm-hmm. and then I'll let you kind of add this the final thought to it if you have anything to add to this. Okay. But um, um, you know, there's there's in Corinthians, Paul talks about women should be quiet in church. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very well agreed upon that that's an issue of men and women, men and women separated and seating, women hollering out to their husbands, disrupting service. Mm-hmm. First Corinthians fourteen is all about you know the church, the body, the mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but it's women who hey what's what's he talking about and mm-hmm. thereby and men and women disrupting mm-hmm. the service with their questions and he says mm-hmm. go home learn, mm-hmm. you know, which I think is again as a statement is the saying women should learn, which yes. wasn't common within the culture. Women had to fight to learn anything. So mm-hmm. um, I think, again, Paul's pro-women stance even shows yes. up there. Yes. Um, but it's more of a of a of a of an issue of disruption of the church than mm-hmm. it is about sexes and genders as it mm-hmm. relates to women and as it relates to mm-hmm. um their ability to talk in a church service. Mm-hmm. The other thing I say is this, we talk about the overarch of scripture. Correct. Um, Genesis, if we believe it's God's plan, mm-hmm. restored by Jesus, we're now working to try to come back to this men and women together building the kingdom of God. Yes. Um, and then uh, in in the last days, 
mm-hmm. you know, Book of Acts and beyond, uh, Joel prophesies that your sons and your daughters will prophesy, mm-hmm. um, that your that your men and women, I will pour out my spirit upon men and women, mm-hmm. which is why they throw out the statement like, well, we believe that women can operate in the fruit of the spirit. They didn't talk about the gifts of the spirit, right? of which nine power gifts, many of them, again, this is that line of demarcation between what do you believe about giftings as often shows up with right. women as well. Right. But, um, but a lot of times prophecy is often connected directly with the gift of teaching in yes. scripture. Yes. And so, uh, when I believe in the end, in the beginning, men and women together in the end, Joel, men and women together that uh-huh. are going to be, that are going to be prophesying, building the kingdom of God for this great harvest of souls that comes before mm-hmm. Jesus comes back. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I think that's, we see it in the beginning. We see it in the old Testament. We see it in the new Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, we see it in the end. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at this over arc of scripture, this is why we, we kind of stand in this men and women together, mm-hmm. building the kingdom of God yes. together. Yes. What honestly has, has been heartbreaking to me is to, to watch even our daughters yeah. want to express, um, the giftings, the callings that God has in their life. And and before I took the time to study, yeah. I remember telling one of our daughters, well, I, I, you know, we need to pray then that God gives you a husband. Yeah, that's you can only fulfill your, your call if God gives you the right guy. Yeah, and, and- Nevertheless, he might be a total jerk at some point and just, you know- Right, like, right. So is your calling null and void because he goes off the rails right. someday? Right, and so- um, I think the heartbreaking thing to me is it's very difficult to um, to sorry it's very difficult to lead people to a God who says you're less than yeah because of something that you have no control over. When does God ever no advocate the subjugation of one of people to another? You person know what I mean? to another He invites person. everybody in. Now, there's Old Testament, you can understand, there's conquering of lands, and, mm-hmm. and out of that came, mm-hmm. you know, woodcutters and workers and things of that nature. But was God's design for them to come into the kingdom of God? And I believe his intent was Israel to be the priest, the rest of the world to be reached. Yes. But Israel never, never fulfilled that peace. And so, mm-hmm. you know, the priesthood's inside of Israel. Mm-hmm. His plan was always mm-hmm. every nation from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And we see it again in the book of Acts, every nation mm-hmm. there. And, and so- and, and in the Old Testament. Yeah. You know, when when God is, is saying in the Old Testament, you know, their sins have not yet reached the place that I am ready to destroy yeah, them. Yeah. God gives everyone an opportunity right. to to come to Him. Yeah, and I agree with that. And it is so. Let me let me say this, and this is something I've noticed, and and I believe, um, you know, and I mentioned this in a service like Wednesday night, like the last week, but I've noticed this, and on a very practical nature, I think most churches are only being led by a father's voice. Um, and a father's voice is incredibly important mm-hmm. um, in terms of many times in terms of identity, in terms mm-hmm. of I think fathers speak a disproportionate of identity into their children. And mm-hmm. I think spiritually that can be true as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the children of God, you know, mm-hmm. um, but most churches are only led by a father's voice mm-hmm. um, because of this ideal. 
And what the, most churches are missing is a mother's voice. Mm-hmm. And you think about the power of a mother's voice, even man in our own lives or, mm-hmm. you know, the, the nurturing, the encouraging, the, the other part of this, just because of their giftings. I'm not saying a, a, a mom can't speak identity. They can. And I think a father can be nurturing as yes. well. <laughs> let's stop. Let's stop like drawing lines and categorizing and just go like we're together yes. using and growing, um, you know, in this thing. But what I have noticed, here's what's been so interesting to me at, at Zion City as of late. Mm-hmm. We've always seen a lot of people respond coming to the altars to mm-hmm. receive Christ. Mm-hmm. We do it every service, mm-hmm. uh, give opportunity for people to respond, and then we get them started and get them a Bible, all the things, get them baptized, all that mm-hmm. stuff. And uh, it's been it's been highly noticeable within our church in the last several months, the crazy amount of men who are who are uh, coming to Christ. Mm-hmm. I mean, not so. Yes. I had an altar call uh, on a Wednesday night, mm-hmm. unplanned, you know, middle mm-hmm. of middle of our fast. There's some of you here, but like you're away from God. You need to surrender your life to Jesus mm-hmm. and uh, invited them to come forward almost impromptu. Every person who came was a man. And mm-hmm. I mean, not, not a child, a man yeah. from ages 20 something to, to 70 yeah, and dozens. Mm-hmm. And then there were a few women that came along mm-hmm. and were pro women too in the altars. But I just thought it is so interesting to me that most people are afraid. They think, well, if there's a mother's voice that becomes, um, that becomes available in the church, well, then that's going to drive men away. And we're seeing completely the opposite. Yes. That God is drawing men. Yes. We're not overemphasizing women or overemphasizing men. Mm-mm. We're not underemphasizing either. We're mm-hmm. just saying together. Yes. And and it's amazing to me, just even our altar workers, they're coming to you going, Pastor, these men are coming, mm-hmm. just weeping. Sometimes when you're preaching, mm-hmm. sometimes when you're not, sometimes when mm-hmm. other, we have other women on staff mm-hmm. in pastoral roles. Mm-hmm. And I just, I think there's something of a family environment that feels mm-hmm. accepting and welcoming mm-hmm. to even men mm-hmm. um, who are struggling and who are lost and trying mm-hmm. to find Jesus. And so it's, I've, it's just been very interesting to watch that over the last number of months mm-hmm. um, as we have become even more founded in our, our conviction of this and how do we work this out. Mm-hmm. And not everybody's going to like it. Man, I got the I got the heat when you know I'd make statements and I'd yeah. get I'd get men you know, you know quoting scripture at me and yeah. and you just gotta go like well, that's that's you know, uh, you know I'm not I'm not the guy who takes everybody to task every time they say something. I figure well, right. get in your Bible, let the Holy Spirit speak to you, right. study a little deeper, go past your bias, right. see what the Word says, right. and you're, you you got to do something with it. Yes, right. I believe Paul was 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 denying something. Yes. But I don't think it was all women because he doesn't. Right. You know, if, if he did, Paul's got a problem. Yeah. On one hand, he's talking about women shouldn't be doing anything. And then on the other hand, he's like, and there's this Phoebe and this Judea and this Priscilla and this, uh-huh. you know, Joanna. And, uh-huh. you know, mm-hmm. Paul didn't talk about Joanna. But, you know, I mean, you mm-hmm. see all the Luke mentions 11 women. Yes. You know, all throughout yeah. the book. So, yeah, you know, like the, it's there. And yeah. Jesus, obviously, his 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 primary connection to women and and. I mean, you when know. you look at his primary mentorship, um, his primary familial mentorship right. that we know of, that we know of in yeah. scripture his mother. is his mother. Yeah. I mean, the mother's voice. I mean, how the mother's, I mean, other than Jesus in the gospel, the person with the longest speech at 10 verses is yeah. Mary, Mary, the mother of Jesus. Yeah. So 
I, that's maybe a whole other ho- conversation. Maybe Holy Spirit got that one wrong. And, I don't know. Mary and <laughs> what, what's the rule of Mary in all this? But hey, thanks for talking about this stuff. I, yeah, I, I enjoy. I'm glad we got to do this. I think yeah. this is. I hope it's helpful. I hope. Yeah. It, I hope it stirs your thinking. Uh, you can miss us with the hate. It's you know we don't need it. We're you're not going to change anything here. And uh, and uh, and and honestly, our heart is that that wherever you land on this, yeah. if you love Jesus, we're with you. Yep. We'll see you in heaven. But we would love for you to just take some time and study yeah. for yourself. And and whatever you whatever you come up with, that's great for you. Yeah. Um, we've got to do what we're yeah, called out. to yeah, do. Exactly. But we we want to empower people to get into the scriptures yeah. for themselves, to to with your community of believers yeah. have these conversations that are that are based around what you see in scripture, yeah. not just what you've heard. And I think the other group of people we're talking to is women who are out there who have felt as though they are less than, as though they are unable, as though there's no real place for, you know, the world has no problem. Right. We, we have women in our church that are high level, you know, corporate leaders and mm-hmm. movers and shakers and, you know, mm-hmm. make more money than some of the men in the place, you know, mm-hmm. some and the world has no problem with that. And I'm not saying, we're, well, we got to be like the world. I'm just saying, like, there's such a gifting that the church mm-hmm. is missing out mm-hmm. because of, I think, misinterpretation, misunderstanding, bias. Mm-hmm. And so I think we're talking to women out there um, who can feel a call of God. Yes. And uh, it doesn't just have to be to go to the kids' church. And, you right. know, uh, that's a great place to start. Right. It's a great place for, for men and women to start, right. you know, developing in their own homes. Right. And, right. and uh, but I think there are women out there who feel like, man, I, I can't. Mm-hmm. can't do those things mm-hmm. and uh maybe maybe god has a different plan and design yeah, yeah. and um and, we can lead you there and i i do believe that that in in god's calendar as we're entering i mean i can't say we're in the last days but i can say we're a lot closer than yeah, we've ever been we're definitely in the last days we don't know where yet yes you know but but what i can say is we're trying to reach generations yeah. that have only had a mother's voice by and large in the home and so to to say that that women can't be used in the family of god i think is yeah man that's sad yeah and we don't believe that we don't believe it we don't believe it for a minute we don't believe it. so well thanks for hanging out with us in this deep you know deep dive and i'm glad to get it out there i think uh i think it is helpful and if it's been helpful to you then pass this along uh give us some thumbs up um, we'd love to hear your comments mm-hmm. and uh, even questions, you know, yeah. because we don't have all the answers. That's not the point. The point is we're, we're working and digging into this thing. And and um, I don't think this will be the last no. conversation we have on this topic. No. Yeah. But we want to give you a foundation yeah. to stand on. And it's God's word. And and I think that it's it's a good place to start with this. So mm-hmm. uh, we love you. Appreciate you. Thanks for coming to the table today. And uh, we look forward to seeing you uh, real soon.